2008, and then I walked in last Sunday, and I told Pastor, you know what? It felt right. It just, it just feels right, you know. And I know that the word is still strong, Amen. you know. And so it's really good to see. I see a lot of familiar faces, and I see a lot of new faces. And, and that's good. You know, and I know that some along the way of, you know, God has called them to do something else. But I just want to tell you, I, don't take this for granted. Don't take what you have here for granted because it is, it is special. It's unique. You know, we've had the opportunity to go to Washington, uh, out to Seattle, and uh, we miss you guys. We miss what you have here, you know, and, and so it's special. And I just know that pastors, we talked about the church and seeing uh, Strong Tower go from the Y to the factory, to people's church, to the Y, you know, and all the other stuff, you know, uh, to, to finally see that you have a home. But I think the one thing that we realize is that the purpose of the church really is not about buildings. The purpose of the church really, it's not about programs. And, and really the purpose of the church is not about preaching. But the church exists to equip the saints to get you ready. And just like our football team does and just like the Titans do when they get in the huddle, the purpose of the huddle is to equip you. So when you break the huddle, you go out and you, you do what you have to do, do battle. And so I thank God that God has called this man and the, the, the staff here as they continue to equip you to go out. And some have left because, you know, they don't understand. It's all about equipping. It's not about where you're at. Because ministry is where you go. And you're going to leave here and you're going to minister. And it's just not isolated to one location. That's not possible, nor is it biblical. Okay, so that's not, that's not possible. So when you go home, that's where you minister. Where you work, that's where you minister. Where you go to school, that's where you minister. Where you live, that's where you minister. That's where God has called you. So we're here today to get equipped. So, Pastor, I want to appreciate you, man. Appreciate the work. And like I said, when I, when I refer to him, it's not Chris. This is my pastor. This is my pastor. I love you, man. I love you, too, man. Okay. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> man. I want to thank everyone who um, made these last three Saturdays special, who made them work because you came out to work for all of the work days, the cleanup days that we did, where we filled three dumpsters and painted rooms, and you guys built things and put stuff together and planted. And I mean, so much sweat equity went into getting this house together. And as your pastor and friend, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you did to get this place ready, not only for the community, but for ourselves as well. So give yourselves a hand. Thank you so much. This is Community Day, and uh, I'm going to introduce our speaker in a moment. Um, but, you know, the Lord thrust us into this community. We were doing his work in Franklin, uh, not only in Franklin, but in Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world, as Elder Sherman said. And I do hope and pray that the Lord sends you back here, Sherman, uh, when we released you in 2008. Our prayer was that the Lord would send you back to us. I know y'all won the Super Bowl and everything, but we still hope you come back to us pretty soon. Can the church say amen? Amen. Because some of them, you don't always want to come back, but we want you to come back. And Lord put us in this community 
We were serving in Franklin, had been there for 18 years. That's where he planted the church. But we always had a kingdom and a global mindset. And as Sherman said, it wasn't about buildings. We would use anything because we believe and still believe church starts when you leave church. That's when it really starts. Um, but something happened in July of 2013, and that was the discovery of mold. It wasn't even a year ago. Uh, July 1st is what, Tuesday? July, I have the date here. 15th, Elder Tony was in a meeting with the Y of Cool Springs, and they said that they may have found mold in the building. Well, on July 23rd, they confirmed that there was mold in the building, and they told us that they were going to have to close the YMCA down for a minimum of 90 days. And so uh, with that word, uh, Brian Patterson, where's Brian Patterson? He and I and Pastor Darrell, we went scouring the city of Franklin trying to find another place to meet in since we knew we were going to have to leave the Y. We looked at 16 different locations. I'm just trying to refresh your memory because sometimes we forget what God has done. And it's good to relive where he's taken us because it gives us hope for where he's taken us to. And we looked around, looked around, but nothing was materializing. So on Sunday, July 28th, 2013, I preached a message entitled Strong Tower Bible Church at the Red Sea. And then afterwards, the elders got up and they shared with you that due to the discovery of mold in the Cool Springs YMCA, the church had three weeks to vacate the premises for a span of at least 90 days. So that was July 28th. And we began to praise and worship God after we got that news. Because we said, we're not going to praise him after he does it. We're going to praise him in advance for what he's going to do. And we began to have a wonderful time of worship and praise because when the Israelites were crossing the Red Sea, God didn't part the sea until Moses made the step to go forward. God said to him, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to go forward. And once they began to act in obedience, God began to act in the supernatural and he parted the Red Sea and made it dry for them to walk through. And we decided we're going to trust God because he didn't tell us to close this church. Our work was just beginning. So we said, we're walking forward, Lord, and we're going to praise you in advance. Well, that was on the 28th of July, Sunday. Well, at the end of that praise service, um, Scott Hamilton came up to me and he said, Pastor, there is a, an empty building on Granny White Pike called the Otter Creek Church. It, it just became vacant. Maybe you should go take a look at it. Now, when Scott said that to me, I wasn't trying to hear that because that wasn't in my radar because we were born in Franklin as a church, and I figured that's where we would stay. There's still a lot of battles to fight in Franklin. And so to the thought of coming into Nashville, Granny White and I had been in this church once before. I came here one time for a funeral, and I didn't like it. And so Scott was like, that's the church. Hey, check it out. So because I like Scott, I said, okay, uh, 
we'll go check it out, buddy. We'll, we'll, we'll go check it out. And the only reason we went the following Wednesday was because I gave him my word. I didn't want to come. I didn't see it within what I felt God was doing. 16 doors closed in Franklin. We looked everywhere. Okay, Scott, I'll come down and look. So Pastor John and I came down and uh, met Brian Patterson out here in the front. And uh, all the doors were locked. But somehow, one of those brothers was able to get one of them doors open. I don't know which one of y'all it was. <laughs> Got in this place. And we started walking around, looking. And uh, said, okay, this could work. And we prayed. And, and then uh, we called for a fast for the church, a three-day resurrection fast. The elders came. We brought our children on a Saturday. We looked at the building. And we said, okay, Lord, this is different from what we thought. But it's not about the building. It's about where you're placing us. And I began to do a series, if you recall, on go means go. And I wore overalls for about three months. I got tired of preaching in overalls because I was talking about the harvest field. Remember? I kept talking about the harvest field. Uh, Luke chapter 10 talks about how people who are already in the harvest field pray for more workers to come into the field. So we believe that God thrust us from Franklin into this community because somebody here was praying for more workers in this harvest field. And there's a blessed pastor here this morning from Grace Church right down the road who's one of those workers in the harvest field. I'm going to let you meet him a little bit later. We're developing a relationship. He came by here, I guess it was week before last, and we're trying to get together. But he's here this morning. Pastor, would you just stand? I know you said you didn't want to come up, but this is one of our friends in the community. We're here to co-labor. We're here to co-labor. There's a lot of work to be done. And so here we are. The Lord placed us here for such a time as this. And we're continuing to serve at Sophia's heart. Great to see Paul Revere chairing uh, uh, the clinic, Salome Clinic, and Linda Bailey serving at the clinic. Great to see the work that's going on. J.T. Moore Middle School. Again, we're here to serve God and to serve this community. My, my, my. And the man who gave me the word on July 28th to come check this building out. I asked him to come give us a word today for Community Day. So would y'all help me welcome my brother, Scott Hamilton. Come on, my man. Come on, brother. Amen. And you know what? They're holding offering baskets for me. I didn't got so into what the Lord is on, I forgot about the money. See, that just shows you a lot of preachers ain't about the money. It can wait. It can wait. How about we take the offering after he preaches? So if it's a good word, we'll get a good offering. No, no, no pressure. No pressure! Well, um, y'all want to take it now? Y'all want to take it now? Let's take it now because we got some instructions about family. We are still doing family day. Rain will not stop us. We are a multiracial church. Black folks will be inside. White folks will be outside. That's how we do. We, 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 ain't, we ain't worried about no rain around here. So let's pray for the offering. Father God, thank you for what we're about to put in these baskets. Would you multiply it as you did the fishes and the loaves? Thank you for providing, Lord. We set a goal of $400,000 last year, above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings. And you did it. And we got this house. 
And Lord, we're going to use this house. Bless this place. Thank you for this man who stands in the gap right now that you have used around the world. Thank you for his testimony. Thank you for changing him and still transforming him. Thank you for his wife who is in Haiti right now. Would you bless Tracy and encourage her, bring her back to us safely. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, pass the plates. Ah, good morning, Strong Tower. I am, uh, you know, it's crazy. This is, uh, it's just a beautiful view I have right now. And when I was volunteered um, to, to do this today, you know, I, I was uh, more than a little intimidated uh, because of just how magnificent this man is in leading this congregation and pouring into us the word of God. Um, so, you know, thinking about what I wanted to talk about, it, it just seemed like this is community day. I'm sure it was no accident that being kind of somewhat new in the community, Pastor Chris thought it would probably be a good idea to probably put somebody out that may be familiar to the neighborhood that I, he could use as somewhat of a draw. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> uh, here I am. <laughs> and you know, being in the entertainment business for like 20 years, you look at rain on a show day and you're thinking, oh man, there goes the walk up. <laughs> it's over, there, there it goes, you know, but you know, when we prayed for this day um, last week, you know, I said, hey, if it rains, that's your blessing. That's, it's up to you. And we're going to have a great time anyway. We're going to have a blast. So here I stand. I am your word for the day. And I felt like since possibly I was invited to be here because I'm somewhat familiar, that uh, doing something, you know, kind of like the trifecta of um, testimony, confession, and call to action might be somewhat appropriate. Um, I, uh, I'm a self-proclaimed optimist, and it's happened uh, through a, a long journey of not having such a great time while having a great time. Um, if I had to write my personal ad, it would sound like this. Short, bald, half-neutered, chemoed, radiated, surgically repaired, retired male figure skater <laughs> of unknown ethnic origin, Seeks beautiful woman for long walks, laughter, and an interest in my hobby of collecting life-threatening illnesses. Well, if you met Tracy, you know that uh, I won the lottery. She's the most amazing person in the world. I love her with all my heart. But we're here to talk about Jesus. We're here to talk about God. We're here to talk about the Holy Spirit and how they all work in our lives as one. We are here to talk about um, just what brought us here to this church. And uh, I'm here to tell you that it, it's been a bumpy ride. Um, I always wanted a relationship with God, and I wasn't really sure who Jesus was and what that was all about. I knew that it was powerful. I knew that it changed the world, but I didn't know what it meant for me. And throughout my life, my mother, who is a four-by-four, four, a lovely lady who you would just adore, um, she, we would go to church on Sunday, and i go to Sunday school, and they'd tell me about all the characters in the Bible and what they did. 
And I always thought that was really cool that all these things happened to these people. And it wasn't until Paige Pitt stood up the other day and talked the other day, the other month, and talked about the uh, curriculum for the children's worship that she said it's not about the characters in the Bible; it's about what God did through these people. And it was like, oh, that's why I didn't like Sunday school. <laughs> Because I didn't like, you know, history, you know, whatever. But, you know, it was just, I was frustrated. I was pushing back. I didn't get it. And I wanted to so desperately. When I started skating, I was a, a really bad underachiever. I didn't like doing compulsory figures, the fundamentals, because it was boring and it was tedious. And I, and I didn't like it. And, and, and so it kept me, it held me back. Um, but once I got to the wagon wheel in Rockton, Illinois, where I started to train, there was a lovely skater there named Janet Lynn. Do you remember Janet Lynn? Probably the greatest skating evangelist ever. And everyone in the rink would hear the word, and they'd hear her talking about her love for Jesus and her love for the word. And, and we'd all like, oh, we want to be like Janet, so we're going to fall in, right? So I'd start to read. And being mildly dyslexic, Isaiah isn't a good fit. <laughs> You know, it's, what, uh, uh, I can't do this, but I really want to. And I'd go for long walks, and I'd sit in a rock on these horse trails out behind the resort, and I'd just pray, and I'd say, tell me who you are. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Tell me what this means to me, and, and how, how can I do this? I didn't know how to do it. I was learning how to skate, but I wasn't learning how to be obedient and to be a part of his kingdom. And so as I progressed, I, I became adolescent. And as an adolescent, you start listening to music, and that music teaches you all kinds of horrific things, right? And what I got out of it was one artist taught me that religion is man-made, that God is being held captive by religion, by denominational faith, and it's just driving people apart. Jesus was to bring everyone together, and this denominational religion, in my view at that time, in my adolescence, which extended, was pulling people apart, and I just couldn't understand how that could happen, and so I stayed away. I'd read the Bible a little bit, and I, I just couldn't, I, I wasn't getting it. I wasn't absorbing it, and so I went through skating. I worked really hard. I did kind of okay toward the end when I figured out that fundamentals and compulsory figures are important. And as I'm standing, you know, winning an Olympic gold medal, I'm, I'm kind of going, holy moly, how did this happen to me? Well, how did, you know, what is going on here? How did this all happen? And what happened to ignite all that underachieving to being able to achieve was a very significant moment in my life. And that was the morning I woke up and I was told that my mother was gone. She lost her battle to cancer. And as I was given this news, your mother is gone, all I could think of was, I know. So I went for a walk. I walked and I walked and I walked and I walked. And that came to me, there was like this revelation that came to me that said, take her with you wherever you go. Take her with you wherever you go. Be the person she wants you to be. And it, and, it, and it was just amazing how powerful that was. I would step on the ice, and I wouldn't feel like skating that day, and then she was right there with me looking at me, and I'd go, okay, get to work. And on the times when I was getting through a long program and my knees are wobbling and my lungs are burning and I just feel like the world's going away because <laughs> I'm just out of breath, 
I found the strength to get through, and I got stronger every day because she was with me every single day in her passing. And it was an extraordinary thing because from then on, everything was magnificent. I, I, I was able to figure this thing out. And so as I turned professional, I was all about the money. I had to make a lot of money because I was broke. I, my, my parents were bankrupt, putting me through skating, so I was all about the money, and I had to make a lot of money. So I was out working, 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 build a show called Stars on Ice that's kind of <laughs> hanging on. It's still out there. But all these years, I was just working, working, and working some more, and I was realizing throughout that time that I was thinking that the love I got through applause was more important than the love I could have for another person. And I was extremely dysfunctional. And it got so bad that it made me sick. 11 years, 10 years into my professional career, or I, I couldn't stand up straight anymore. And 50 cities into a 60-city tour where we're doing really good, you know, a lot of people were coming, the doctor told me that um, it's either benign, malignant, or something else. And you realize that you've just been knocked down. I've just been diagnosed with the disease that took my mother from me. And the, and the news was just devastating. But something happened. I don't know if it was a minute, a second, or a nanosecond. Every ounce of that fear was replaced with a sense of power, clarity, purpose, courage. And I knew that this was my battle to win, and I was going to win it. And getting through chemotherapy, it was... It was challenging, getting through the big surgery, challenging. And I realized that I'd become toxic. I'd become this person that I didn't want to be, and I was hungry for change. I just knew that someone wanted something better for me. And so I went on my wilderness. I moved to a place where I could be isolated, left alone, ignored, and given the ability to kind of sort this out. Does anybody have any idea where they would go if they needed to work that out? Los Angeles, California. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked like a charm. You just walk down the streets, nobody looks at you. You just, everywhere you go, it's just like, how do I look? Like my new nose? Everything looking good? And it was just, okay, I'm like, hello, hello. And so I was, I was sorting it out. And in that sorting it out, I had a lot of time to think. And it was then that, that I started to become aware of things. And then I met the person that would change my life forever, this beautiful young girl named Tracy Rose Robinson. And she, you know, came to we, we The story of how we met is way too long, and it's amazing, but it's providential. There was no accident. I was going to meet this girl. She was going to be in my life, and I was going to be in hers no matter what, because it was time. Now, enough of this pushing back, enough of this not getting it, enough of this yelling in your ear, pouring into your soul, and not understanding what's going on. And Tracy came into my life. We got along pretty well, and we got to a point where we're going steady. Kind of a weird thing when you're in your 40s to be going steady. And she just said, hey, if we're going to take this thing any further, I need to know where you stand. And I go, uh, like what? And he goes, I need to know where you stand with your faith. 
and I go, I'm frustrated and I'm angry and I feel like I'm not doing what I should be doing. She goes, well, can I introduce you to somebody? And I said, absolutely. And so I met this man named Ken Durham. He lives right down the street here. He was a minister, preaching minister at Pepperdine Church of Christ, and it was a great church. We loved going to church there. And um, I'd go to church with Tracy because I wanted to be with her, and I was kind of leaning in a little bit. And it was there that I learned some pretty amazing things. And when I sat down to talk to Ken, he goes, okay, what's up? And I go, I don't get it. And he goes, get what? I go, I don't get denominational religion. He goes, I'm in denominational religion. I don't get it either. <laughs> he goes, I hear you. And I go, oh, okay. And then the floodgates just came open. I go, I don't, I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm, why does this have to be this way? And he goes, it doesn't. He goes, you need to get to work. You need to start reading the Bible. I go, I tried. I didn't understand it. And he goes, well, here, read it through this lens. The Bible is a faith book of history. Every single thing in that book actually happened. And once you look at it in that sense, you know that everything that is happening today came from that time. Everything that we are came from everything that happened in that book. And what we have hope in this world and hope for the afterlife, everything is in that book. All you need to do is understand it and read it and look at it through that lens. And it was just amazing. I was just all of a sudden, things, the words started fitting together a little bit better. I started understanding why I felt the way I did. And then I got sick again. I was diagnosed with a pituitary brain tumor. And I didn't know what to do. My son Aiden was uh, 14 months old, just started this new family. I thought my health history was over. And I just went to Tracy. I go, I don't know what to do. I have a brain tumor. And she grabbed both of my hands. She lowered her head, and she started to pray. And it was the single most powerful moment in my life. And I had some pretty big moments. That was it. I realized from that moment forward, I'm, giving, I'm putting it all with him. He's with me. I'm, I'm in, all the way in. And we just prayed every day. We prayed for mercy. We prayed for health. We prayed for healing. And then when they did the biopsy, they take a needle and they put it down through your head. We seem to have found a safe corridor. They're putting a needle through your head. It's like, come on. And, you know, I told them I wasn't using most of it, so have at it. You know, it's all good. And so they, they put the needle through my head and they, um, they found out what it was. We treated it. And a month later, I was baptized. And it was one of the greatest days of my life. It was the greatest day of my life. Because it's in that baptism that all that junk that we hang on to, all of that lack of forgiveness, all that memory of all those things that we've done that we just can't take back, all those relationships that have failed, all those people that we're angry with and that are angry with us, we hang on to it all. And it's toxic. It hurts us, and it separates us from Jesus. So what do we do? We wash it away. I came out of that water, and it was really a cold, rainy day in Malibu. And I came out of the water. We were in the faculty hot tub at Pepperdine University, and Ken and I were the only ones that were comfortable. I did not want to get out of that water. But when we came out, Tracy looked at me, and she goes, how do you feel? I just said, lighter. 
lighter. I, I just gave it, I gave, I'm starting over. I, I got a mulligan and I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna stripe it right down the middle of the fairway. So we wanted another child, but I have a pituitary brain tumor and I had testicular cancer. <laughs> if that ain't game over, nothing is. And so I self-injected six times for two years, six times a week for two years. It was painful and it was expensive and it wasn't working. And so I, we had a meeting one day and I said, Tracy, I have to quit. I can't do this anymore. And she goes, man, I, I just think that the fact that you did it for this long is incredible. I mean, it's just, I've seen what you've gone through and it's just awesome that you've been able to do this six times a week for two years. Let's pray. And so we prayed. We prayed for a miracle. And it was six weeks later, I was going through my, um, my brain scans because they always check to see if there's something in there. Cobwebs. <laughs> hello, 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 hello. So I'm in there and I'm waiting like 45 minutes and normally it's like 10 minutes. I'm waiting 45 minutes and normally it's like he comes right in. You know, I'm kind of a big shot at the Cleveland Clinic. <laughs> So anyway, we're, I'm sitting there, and, I, I, and he's not coming in. I'm starting to get scared. I'm reading the Dave Ramsey book about emergency funds. I'm reading all this stuff, and it's like, <laughs> I know you're talking to me, but I don't know what you're trying to say. And, and, uh, and, and he came in, and he goes, did you use a different machine? I go, yeah, a new imaging center down the street. And he goes, oh, okay, that's it. Everything's clear. You're fine. <sighs> but something's going on. So I walk out. My phone goes off, and it's a fixed message from Tracy. Now, when she told me she was pregnant with Aiden, I, I, I thought it was a little too soon. <laughs> Nine months and two days after we get married, Aiden's born. Math was incredible. <laughs> but she, the pregnancy test was sitting on the counter, and she told me it's positive, and I just grabbed the bag, and I'm like, because <laughs> my world was going away. And the pics message, I couldn't make out what it was, but the text underneath it was, I hope you have a bag handy. <laughs> Miracle Max. Miracle Max came into our lives, and it was miraculous. It was an answer to our prayers. And when that boy came into this world redheaded, I had to make a very important decision. <laughs> One way, didn't want to take that way. The other way, being adopted, I'm Irish! Okay, I'm gonna let the other road just take care of itself. I mean, I was, you know, being adopted, if, if my child came out Asian, I couldn't deny him, right? Because I have no idea where I came from. <laughs> so we've got this beautiful child, and we're just celebrating life, and we're just loving it, and I'm just reading, and I'm trying to learn as much as I can, and it was at that time that um, my favorite athlete in the world had a fall from grace, and a tough one, and I was reading the Bible one day when we were away, I'm kind of uh, celebrating Tracy's uh, 39th birthday, and um, I read this, and it just struck me. It's Matthew 7, 24, 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We've got to build our houses on rock. We've got to build our houses on rock. And he is the only answer. He is our rock. And when I saw that, it's like all those times of putting all of our efforts on this world and what it has to offer us, whether it be in comfort, whether it be in, in, in materialism, whether it be in, in, you know, too much food, whatever it is, we've got to put all of our faith in him. Be obedient. Understand what he wants from us. We are all brought into this world perfect, perfect. There is absolutely not a scar or a mark on us when we come into this world. And it's the world that nicks us. It's the world that cuts us. It's the world that hurts us. And as I get ready some mornings, the light comes in the bathroom, and I'm getting ready, I'm shaving. I look at all the scars surgeries, cancer, surgeries, brain tumors, surgeries, shoulder surgery, you know, all these things. And I'm looking at the scars in my life, and I think, wow, he got me through every single one of them. And you know what? That scar is a badge of courage. It's a badge of honor because that scar will never be cut there again. It's stronger than the tissue that was there before. And I'm thinking about building this house on rock. I'm thinking about how we found this church. And I'm thinking about all the damage that I did before I realized that he was whispering in my ear and at times yelling into my soul without an answer on my end. That's my confession. I failed all those years. I failed miserably, and I, and I felt a separation and I just didn't know how to do it. And then I found this church, and I found this man. You know, throughout, Ken Durham, great mentor, phenomenal man, baptized me, married us, blessed our children. To find this church and to know that it's right in the middle of where it needs to be now to do what it needs to do in the future is an extraordinary thing that I hope every single person in this church cooperates in. I tithe blissfully now. And can I tell you that before I was kind of hoarding, I'd write a check and, I don't know, it's a lot. I could use it on something else. Now, when I get a check coming in, it goes straight into the giving account, and you know what? <laughs> I love doing it. And since I've been doing it, I'm busy. Oh, yeah, and, I, and there's stuff coming in that it's coming in. I didn't know where, how. It's just I'm being blessed because finally what he's given me, I'm able to use for his kingdom, 
for him and his ways and building a stronger and stronger society. But I still had my junk. I still had all my stuff. And um, I, re I remember a, a, one of the sermons that Ken gave. Uh, there was two that were given at that church that I'll never forget. One was about the fact that there is no such thing as a coincidence. There's no such thing as by chance. They are all God-scheduled opportunities. And we have to understand that we're in this place, we're in this thing at the right time and because he wants us here and he wants us to understand why. You may not at the, at the time, but you're going to figure it out sooner or later. But I still had a hard time forgiving myself for all that time. And then Ken gave the sermon on the prodigal son. And it's powerful. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I would bet we've all felt that way at one time or another. Life has dealt us a hand that we didn't know how to deal with. And I think that we all need to just do a couple things. Here's my call to action. Forgive. Forgive every single person in your life that has wronged you. Because hanging on to that anger, hanging on to that event or that action is like dipping your soul in acid. It's toxic, and it will hold you down. You're meant to fly. Forgive every single person in your life that has wronged you, and you will feel lighter and freer and happier. I, I, my heart is so full, and I'm just so blessed that I got to do this, and I hope that I lived up to your um, expectation. Um, but I have to share one more thing with you, and that's part of what I just said. You see, if you, if you, if you listen, if you worship, and by the way, those worship songs, like if I had to like, produce this today as an event, those are the... Ah. We're on the same wavelength, and I'm loving every second of it. But here's, here's it breaks it down. We're going to hear a lot. There's a lot of pages in this book, and I'm going to pour through every single one of them. Here, here's the definition of it all, all right? And, and, I, and it's really sung to me, and I, and I hope that it touches you. The definition of the gospel is you are loved, Deal with it. <laughs> you are loved unconditionally and forever. Accept it. Understand it. Celebrate in it. Revel in it. And be the person that God made you to be. You are all perfect. The world has come after you. It's knocked you down a few times. But as a skater, I can tell you, when you fall down, you get up. When you fall down, you get up. The next thing that's coming at you is frightening, scary, and you just don't think you can deal with it, you get up because you have him on your side. He's holding you up. He's strengthening you. He's wiping the snow off your rear end, and he's telling you, get back out there and, and have at it. 
I have been blessed beyond my wildest dreams. I spent so much time working to try to build something in my life. And now I realize that when the brain tumor came back in 2010, nine surgeries later, I just felt that God was just adjusting me, putting me in another path, and we ended up here. And I am so grateful. So celebrate today. Celebrate each other. Hang out with Max. He's a lot of fun to play with. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and understand, in these two people you have right here leading this church, that you are so blessed beyond comprehension. The dedication, the strength, and the power of this very big man <laughs> fills me with hope for brighter days and the fact that this church Strong Tower Bible Church will change the world, and you're all going to be a part of it. Thank you so, so much. God is good. And all the time. God is good, and all the time.